all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy for Women, the show all about addressing issues of health and wellness from a woman's perspective. Today, it's my perspective. I'm Dr. Allie Brown. I am here solo today. It is Dr. Michelle Owens' birthday, so big happy birthday to Dr. Michelle Owens today, but she's out. I'm going to be talking about women's heart health. It is February, Women's Heart Health Month, and we're going to be talking all about how you can take charge and improve your heart health. Please call and share any comments or experiences you have with us at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or send an email at women at mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy for Women from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Southern Remedy for Women, uh, the show all about health and wellness from a woman's perspective. I am Dr. Allie Brown. I am a pathologist, and I'm here today to talk about women's heart health. It's February. It's Women's Heart Health Month. Let's talk about heart health. And on the topic of heart, yesterday was Valentine's Day. Jay, did you get your lady something nice for Valentine's? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. Um, <laughs> uh what yesterday wound up being is um, I, uh, I work for one of the community colleges here in the state as their play-by-play broadcaster for their sports. Yes. So our Valentine's Day wound up being me driving with her to Ellisville for a How romantic. wonderful night watching people play basketball in the free state of Jones. There you go. <laughs> Fantastic right? time together in the car. Yeah, you got to chat and it was, talk but it about, was nice too. It, it's nice to travel with. She your works and travels a ton, and I'm working all the time. I've got 17 different uh, gimmicks going on at any one particular time, and so it, it, was, it was nice to have some extended time with her. It's good to have a day when you can really uh, thank your spouse for being awesome. My husband is fantastic. I have to say, I'm not just saying that because I'm on the radio. He's the the best husband and father I could ever ask for I always get him kind of a hokey card and I mean it he's fantastic oh I thought you meant the hokeyness you, you meant it no I meant the hokeyness yeah and yeah. what's in the card even though it sounds hokey I'm like well you know I mean it doesn't he's mean a, it's he's not a good true man. that's right. right doesn't mean it's not true and then I also yesterday uh went to my second graders valentine's party i love doing the class party thing you know sometimes it's working moms it's hard to make the time to be able to break away during the day to do things with your kids so i definitely try to sign up for uh kids parties during the year and i i always sign up for the valentine's party for at least one of my boys i have an eight-year-old and a ten-year-old did the eight-year-old's party this year it's so cute to see the Little kids get so excited. You know, they're still kind of little in the second grade and they love their teacher and they're not afraid to kind of express themselves and draw little hearts everywhere. Now, my 10 year old, we were putting together Valentine's and I got those little Skittles packs with the stickers that you put on them. And he was mortified. He said, those stickers are too lovey. Yeah. He would not put them on. And so I had to just cut out pieces of printer paper and just put to and from. And it had to be like the most generic gesture. You know, he just couldn't even fathom to Here, have anything with a candy. heart. <laughs> exactly. Clear friends. Candy for you. And then yesterday when I got... Happy week. When, I, when he got home from school... I opened up his school bag and it, they were all still in his bag. He didn't even give them out. He came home with a big That's old bag great. full of stuff and his stuff. I said, wait, wh- oh, I forgot. I was like, you mean you got all this stuff from all your friends and then you never even gave out your own? I mean, 
The struggle is real, people. He's, he's using Valentine's Day to his advantage. Now he's got a bag full of Skittles, <laughs> That's right? right? That's my whole book bag. I full. made him bring it today <laughs> to give it out today. I hope your teacher will let you. Like anyway. most people see Valentine's Day, <sighs> he just used it as a front to bag a bunch of candy. That's right. And you know, my husband and I, we have a, we have. He always gets me candy from Nandy's Candies here in Jackson, and he, he, it's so good. And we have this thing where we just try to eat it all as fast as possible, so we don't have to like let it linger. We're like we're just gonna eat it all, so right. we just overdose on candy. So yeah, it was fun. It was a good Valentine's. So no awkward boy girl moments or anything like that. Well, I wasn't at the ten year olds' party. I was at the eight year olds' party, and they're still kind of oblivious. They don't even care. They don't even care. They're like, "Oh, are some of y'all boys and some are girls?" I can't even smashing each other over the head with skittles. I think the girls are probably more savvy to it, but I only have boys, and I think at eight years old, little boys are still fairly oblivious to societal uh, norms. I can think that's safe to say. (laughs) But not the ten year olds, huh? No, I think it's it's really starting to uh, starting to hit home. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So only downhill from here, right, or uphill? No, let's Depending not, on your perspective, let's I suppose. Let's hope it's not up. Oh, geez. Well, anyway. <laughs> that was Valentine's Day, folks. Today is February the 15th, which is the national holiday of Dr. Michelle Owens' birthday. Dr. Owens is not here today. Uh, she caught a red eye, an all-night airplane from, I think, from California or somewhere on the West Coast. And, uh, I mean, woman's got to sleep at some point. So we're giving her a break today, and um, I'm, I'm covering the show, and I'm happy to be here. I'm going to give out the number. It's one eight seven seven mpb ring which is one 672 You can also email me at women at mpbonline.org. We are talking about women's heart health. So the heart's not just for, for love, guys. It is for pumping blood. You know, we need to have that going on. So... We need to be able to keep those hearts healthy. And I, I was actually teaching an exercise class before I came here this morning. I ran in with wet hair and all. And I said, I always, whenever I teach on a Friday morning, I always try to plug the show. Y'all listen to the, to the show. And I said, you know, heart disease is the leading cause of death in women. And these women who, and it was, per, I had one guy in the class this morning and maybe about 30 women. They were shocked. They were surprised. And I find that people are surprised. You know, you hear a lot about breast cancer, cervical cancer, lots of different things. But heart disease is the leading cause of death for women in the U.S. So that's about one in maybe every four deaths in women is attributable attributable to heart disease. So that's that's a pretty striking fact. So the good news about that, there is a lot of... Um, heredity or kind of how you inherit things in your family that has to do with heart disease. But the overwhelming uh, risk factors for heart disease are all things that can be modified. So things that we can take control of in our own lives. And we're going to talk about those things. So that's the good news. So just like with everything else with health, it's great to be proactive, to know your risk, to know what you can do to keep yourself healthy. So Heart disease kind of was thought of as a men, a man's disease, and, and it is slightly more common in men as opposed to uh, women uh, before menopause. But after menopause, it's, a, it's about the same. The risk is about the same between men and women. And for African-American and white women in the U.S., heart disease is the leading cause of death. It is also more prevalent in African-American women because African-American women have a higher instance of a lot of um, the risk factors for heart disease like diabetes, high blood pressure, and obesity. So the, this is something that we really have to think about in our community and, um, and, be, and be proactive about, as I said. About two-thirds of women who die suddenly because of a heart disease have had no previous symptoms. So... We had this happen some time back. We actually had a, uh, an email, which was great to see because we talked about how in women, having a heart attack can have symptoms that are very different from the things that you kind of classically hear about in men and with heart disease. So we have to be extra careful. You kind of, uh, in women, it's, it's more common than in men to have not just the classic chest pain and things like that. But the pain can be occurring in, in other areas. So like the arm, the jaw, even the right arm. We often think of the left arm, but it could be in the right arm, back pain. So we want to talk today about 
the different ways to look out for uh, not just how to prevent heart disease, but how to identify if um, you're potentially having a heart attack or if someone you work with or live with is potentially having a heart attack. These are all things we want to talk about today. If you have a history of heart disease, if you've uh, dealt with having um, a heart attack or had a loved one that, that had a heart attack, if you're um, trying to modify um, lifestyle uh, choices in order to emphasize your heart health, give us a call. If you have any questions, give us a call. one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 So the best thing, first of all, is to know your risk. So who is at risk for heart disease? And this is for men or women. People with high blood pressure. And half of women over the age of 45 have high blood pressure. You might not know it because initially when you have high blood pressure, it might not make you feel bad. It's really important when you see those blood pressure machines at, you know, the drugstore or whatever, get an idea of what your baseline blood pressure is. It is important to see your doctor every year. But even if you don't do that, just understand that blood pressure can be high without necessarily making you feel bad. So high blood pressure is a risk factor. Having high cholesterol, something else you need to go to your doctor to um, find out if you have. It's a simple blood test. Diabetes, so having regular measurements of blood sugar to, to know if you have diabetes. Physical inactivity, if you're not uh, exercising regularly, if you work all day at a desk and then you get home and you're super tired, that's something that all of us kind of go through at, at one point or another. Smoking's a big one, and we've been harping on smoking a lot lately on Southern Remedy for Women, but it, it's just such a, a modifier that you can control, and it has such a huge difference as far as health benefits. So if you smoke, it increases your risk of heart disease by three times. Once you quit, your risk goes in half after two years, and after 10 years, you have a normal risk as if you were a non-smoker again. So it's, it's really a big deal to consider quitting smoking if you smoke. And then being overweight, particularly folks who gain weight in the middle, kind of what we call central obesity or that apple shape, that particular um, body habitus has an increased risk of developing heart disease. Uh, we do have a caller on the line. We have Gail, who's calling from the city they call Long Beach down in Mississippi. Hey, Gail. Hey. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well, Gail. How are you doing? All right. How did the day of love treat you yesterday? Oh, well, we went out and bought some furniture last week, and it's being delivered tomorrow, so I'm being told that that was my uh, Valentine's Day. <laughs> there you <Yeah>. go. <laughs> <laughs> I said otherwise. But that's okay. We're going out to dinner tonight. Very nice. So what's your question, Gail? Okay. Um, I have an elevated COIP of 0.55. Uh-huh. And my third uh, plate and A&A is all normal. All of us in my labs are normal. And I know that's indicative of inflammation. So what else should I be watching for or should I clue my dog into watching for? Oh, that, that's a great question. So, yeah, C-reactive protein, that's the CRP, that is an indicator. It's a blood test of... Um, in, an inflammatory state in, in the body. And and like you mentioned, Gail, um, there are other things that can be measured, like an ANA, that's an anti-neutrophil uh, antibody, and other um, markers that are more indicative of like autoimmune disease, which you said those were negative. So that, that's that's good because a lot um, those can sometimes go together. Um, the reference range for um, a CRP is that um, 0 to 10, or with the high sensitivity test, um, it's less than 3 uh, is normal. So if you have a 0 0.5, you actually fall within the uh, the normal range. Okay. Um, so I thought the measurements were um, 0 0.1 to 0.3. Um, the standard measurements... Uh, are, are a little bit higher. Again, the, there is that high sensitivity test and maybe for different laboratories, speaking as a pathologist, different laboratories do have different reference ranges. So do you have a printout from your laboratory that shows the, the reference range behind it? Is that where you're getting that range? Uh, that's about where it is. And it was a uh, high CRP. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so if your laboratory has a reference range, that's a bit lower. So what was the reference range your lab had to 0.3? It has, it has uh, 0.1 uh-huh. to 0.3. And you're at 0.5? Yes, 5.5. Oh, 5.5. No, I'm sorry, 0.55. 0.55. So if that's just the absolute value and not a ratio, that's actually not very elevated. Is that the only time you've ever had that C-reactive protein test? Uh, Correct. So your physician might want to consider repeating that test at, at a future time. And, and you definitely want to talk to your doctor about that lab result, and I'm glad that you are able. Do you have, like, a patient portal that you can log into to see your lab results? Or did your uh, physician yeah. give it to you? You have a portal? That's yeah. the great thing about the electronic medical record nowadays. A lot of doctors, uh, we complain because we, ha- we have a lot of documentation to do. But it really empowers patients to have their laboratory values and to ask questions. Because I feel like, you know, even just a few years ago, you would kind of get tests ordered at the doctor and even me as a doctor when I would go to my own physician and maybe they didn't they'd be like okay everything's normal or you know something something but you never actually saw all the labs that were ordered and all the values so it's it's really a great thing and I'm glad you're looking at that and feeling empowered to ask you should ask your doctor in a follow-up specifically about what that lab result means to you and how they would um, proceed with advising you on it but with your other markers of like the ANA and those things being negative, um, it, it could just be that the CRP is just slightly elevated, just slightly. And uh, inflammation is definitely a risk factor for heart disease. So um, things like um, diet and exercise and all the modifiable risk factors are really important for you um, in order to decrease your risk for getting heart disease. Okay, well, thank you, and have a great weekend. Thanks for calling, Gail. Have a great dinner tonight. Uh, We're going to go to our first break. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email us at women at mpbonline.org. We will be right back with Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Southern Remedy for Women, the show all about health and wellness from a women's perspective. I am Dr. Allie Brown. I'm here today without my partner in crime, Dr. Michelle Owens, missing her. But we are talking today about women's heart health or just heart health in general. February is Women's Heart Health Month, and it is also the month of love and hearts, you know, right? Valentine's Day. So we are talking all about how to increase your risk of having a healthy heart and decrease your risk of heart disease. And if you already have heart disease, what are some things that you can do to help prevent a heart attack or to recognize uh, a heart a heart attack um, early on? We just had a caller that was asking about a certain test called a C-reactive protein test, which is usually done in patients with an elevated risk of heart disease. And though she said she had a very low um value, which is 0.55, which usually is in the normal range. It flagged as high at the lab where, um, where, where she had it done. Um, but um, that lab, that um, test can be very useful for identifying patients that are even at a, a more elevated risk for developing heart disease. So inflammation plays a significant role in heart disease because heart disease is caused by um, plaques being built up in your arteries. And those plaques uh, have often inflammatory cores that can 
rupture and that causes platelets and other blood clotting factors to kind of form on top of it and makes a clot that then causes the the opening of the blood vessel to narrow even more or perhaps even occlude or be completely closed off. And when something like that happens, depending on where the blood vessel is, it can lead to a heart attack if it's in one of your coronary arteries or the arteries that supply your heart. If it's in one of the arteries in your brain, it could cause a stroke. If things like that are happening in your uh, arteries in your legs, you can get gangrene, you know, where you have actually death of the tissue uh, of your of your extremities. Usually it's legs, but it can be in your arms as well. So heart health uh, is really tied a lot to vascular health and healthy blood vessels are also important everywhere in your body, not just in your heart. So all of these uh, risk factors and ways that we can reduce risk that we're talking about also apply to um, stroke and um, what we call peripheral vascular disease or disease of the blood vessels um, in your in your legs most commonly. So we went over um, knowing our risks and who's at risk for heart disease. Um, And the good news is, if you're talking about high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes, or high blood sugar, being inactive physically, smoking, and being overweight, all of these things are modifiable, either by lifestyle, medications, all of the above. So you can empower yourself to take charge and alter these things with your body. You only got one body, right? We got to take care of it and really dramatically decrease your risk of heart disease. In fact, you can lower your risk by as much as 82%, some studies say, with a healthy lifestyle. I mean, that's, I would take those to the casino, right? And then bet on those. So you are in charge of your body's health. So we're going to talk about ways that we can reduce our risk for heart disease. But first, we do have a caller we have Margaret, who is calling from Red Banks, Mississippi. Hey, Margaret. Hi. Margaret, where is Red Banks, Mississippi? That's a new one for me. It's um, near Holly Springs, Mississippi. Oh, a beautiful part of our state. Thank you for calling. What's your question? Uh, my question is regarding infection. I have um, what has been referred to as a low-grade infection in a tooth with a filling. It was I had a root canal that was filled in crown, and it has a low-grade infection. That's how the dentist referred to it, because the filling did not completely go all the way down to the bottom of the root canal. Okay. And it allowed an infection to develop. All right. The tooth does not bother me. And they even tried to, they drilled through the crown and tried to remove that packing to redo it, but it was in so firmly they could not get it out. Oh, my. Okay. And I'm concerned as to, and this has been over a period of 8 to 10 years and going for my physicals and whatnot, that the doctor has said, you know, you have a slightly elevated white blood cell count, and that typically indicates some type of infection, but there's nothing that we can see or pinpoint to be causing it. Mm -hmm. And so it just got to be old hat and you know, you don't worry about it. Right. About how elevated is that white count? Um, do you remember any of, of the numbers? Or it's, you said just slightly. No, that's okay. I'm away from home. No, no, that, that's okay. You know, the way that we determine normal reference ranges for laboratory tests is that we test individuals in the population and see, you know, what their actual results are. And we use that to calculate reference ranges. So while the reference range is calculated kind of like a bell curve, you know, like when you were in school and the test got curved and mm-hmm. and it clusters around the results that most people had. There are some people whose normal might be a little bit outside the reference range. So kind of like we were just talking to our caller before whose lab result for the C-reactive protein was a little bit out. It was just a little bit outside of the upper reference range, and that would cause, you know, kind of less of a concern. So if your white blood cell count was just a fraction of a, of a, of a, of a point out, you know, sometimes it's, you know, they usually give it to a, a tenth or something like that. Or even if it was just, you know, a, a couple points higher than normal, and it consistently is like that, and you're healthy and we're talking over eight to 10 years, then that might not be something that is overly concerning. And it sounds like your physician has addressed this with you. It sounds like you're very proactive about your health care, which is great. You have regular appointments. Um, 
now, of course, having a dental, I'm not a dentist by any means, but having a, a dental infection is, a, is serious and it needs to be taken care of. Um, but it sounds like you do see your dentist regularly and, and he has or she has, has attempted to try to, to resolve this. Have you thought about seeing a, di- a different dentist or an endodontist, which is a dentist that specializes in the health of the roots of the teeth and root canals? That's actually the last one I okay. saw who mm-hmm. attempted to, re, you know, to redo ah. it. He's a graduate student at a university dental college. Mm-hmm. And before that, I had been seeing a regular dentist, but they had never indicated that anything needed to be done or that there was an infection. Uh, I see. So, so it is kind of a two-pronged thing, I guess, here that I would suggest. It's continuing... Um, this dialogue with your your regular physician about your white blood cell count. I'm sure it gets checked every every time you go, um, and making sure that it's not trending over time to get even higher. So if it's just slightly out and it's stable, th- to me that would be less concerning than if it was slightly elevated, but then getting more and more elevated over time. Or of course, if it spikes and is super high all of a sudden, you know that could indicate infection or or something else, you know, happening within within the blood system. But if it's just slightly out and it's stable and you're healthy, um, and that kind of sounds like what's been going on with your physician, that your physician just is watching it um, and has done a thorough workup. It could be because of of dental disease. Um, kind of a smoldering infection, I guess some people might call it. But, you know, you can always go try to see another endodontist. I mean, worse comes to worse. Sometimes the tooth has to be pulled, but it sounds like the endodontist didn't recommend that, so it must not be too bad. Um, well, the options were mm-hmm. pulling it and replacing it with a bridge mm-hmm. or that other thing that I didn't want. <laughs> <laughs> right. Where they put the screw in the bone. And Ooh, the, the implant, yes. <laughs> the implant. Those look really nice and they do really well. But yeah, that is a, um, a rather um, prolonged, you know, intensive procedure. Now, then again, I'm, I'm a medical doctor. I'm not a dentist by any means. But, uh, you I know, I would just... I'm concerned about the infection yes. and what effect it might have yeah. actually on my heart and general overall physical well-being. Absolutely. Having a... a, a a severe infection uh, of the oral cavity, like a dental abscess or something like that, can cause something called endocarditis, where the the infection gets into the bloodstream and it can seed into the heart and cause an infection. But that's usually from more overt infection and not something um, kind of a, what you're describing. I'm sure they took lots of X-rays and, and had to look at it. But I, I would definitely stay on top of it and and just know you can always go get a second opinion and go see somebody else. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks for calling, Margaret. And thanks for teaching me about Red Banks. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. We're going to move to our next break of the hour. Uh, We're talking today about women's heart health. But hey, we can talk about dental disease or anything you want to talk about. Uh, Enjoy being here. And uh, But if you have any questions or concerns about how to promote a healthy uh, lifestyle, if you've had a heart attack and you have advice for other women on maybe um, signs and symptoms that, you, that you've experienced, give us a call at one 877 mpb 1-877-672-7464 or email us at women at mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy for Women from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Southern Remedy for Women. This is Dr. Allie Brown. I am your host today. We are talking about women's heart health. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring which is one 672 You can also send us emails at women at mpbonline.org. February is Women's Heart Health Month. 
I can't emphasize how much you guys need to be aware of your risk factors for heart disease. Make sure when you see your physician, and you should go see a doctor every year and get yourself checked out, ask them what are your risk factors for heart disease. Have a discussion with them and talk about how you can modify those risk factors. They're taking your blood pressure. They should be checking your cholesterol from time to time, looking at things that could elevate your chances because heart disease is the number one cause of death in women here in the U.S. and can be prevented or um, risk greatly decreased by modifying the way we live our lives. We do have a call on the line. We have Pat, who is calling from Hernando. Hey, Pat. Pat, are you there? Yes, I am. Hey, Pat. Thanks for calling. What's your question? Well, thank you for taking my call. Um, I'm calling because I had an electrocardiogram about six weeks ago, and it was discovered that I have a pin-sized uh, hole in the left lower ventricle of my heart. I'm also a blood cancer patient. I have uh, essential thrombocythemia, which is uncontrolled manufacturer of uh, blood platelets. And I'm wondering, what are the short-term and long-term effects of having a pinhole size in my heart? And uh, is there any remedy for that? And am I at greater risk because I also suffer with a type of blood cancer? Well, those are great questions, Pat. And I'm sure um, because you had your echocardiogram, you, you did see a cardiologist and you do have a doctor that follows you for these things. So definitely make sure that they know all these things, which I'm sure that they do. The You described that you have a pinpoint hole in between your two ventricles. The ventricles are the part of your heart that do the majority of the pumping. So the right ventricle pumps the blood to your lungs where um, the gases are exchanged and carbon dioxide gets let out and oxygen comes back in to oxygenate the blood, which can then get distributed throughout your body. And the left ventricle is the largest chamber of the heart that's responsible for pumping blood uh, out of your heart through your aorta into the rest of your body. So super important stuff. Having a pinpoint um, defect in between your two ventricles um, is something that they can see with an echocardiogram, which is a lot like uh, an ultrasound that someone has when they're pregnant, right? It's an ultrasound of the heart, kind of to say it in a very uh, simple terms. And they have certain ways that they can gate or look at the flow of blood within the heart where they can see if there is an alteration of flow. And I guess perhaps they saw that there was some blood flow between your ventricles. So since the pressure in the left ventricle, the side that pumps to your whole body, is a lot higher then the pressure that pumps to your lungs on the right ventricle, usually what will happen is that um, blood will flow when the heart contracts from the left ventricle over to the right ventricle. Now, if, if, the, if, the, if the hole is small, then it might just be a tiny amount of blood. Um, of course, I am not a cardiologist, but I'm sure your doctor followed up with you on um, the severity of this hole and what they thought the treatment options were. But if the hole is very large, um, then a lot of blood can be flowing over to the right side, which then, you know, the heart is a muscle. So anytime you increase the work it has to do, it's going to get bigger, just like your muscles will get bigger if you go to the gym and lift weights. So what could happen over time as the blood is shifting from the left side, the, the harder pumping side, to the right side, which is the side that doesn't pump so hard because it's going just to the lungs, it can cause that right ventricle to have to work harder because more of the blood is coming over, which over time can cause the heart to get bigger in that area. And the increased pressure that it's pumping with can increase the pressure of the blood in your lungs and cause something called pulmonary hypertension. Um, so I'm sure that, I, I, did your doctor discuss these things with you? Um, actually, I had the echocardiogram six weeks ago uh -huh. and I have my first my first time follow-up appointment with my cardiologist this Monday. Excellent. So you're, And uh, yeah, my good. blood pressure is elevated, <clears throat> and I'm wondering if, if that's related to the pin-hole si pin size, uh, pin-size pin hole in, in the left ventricle. That and also, I just, you know, I'm just really concerned uh, about this. Uh, I was mm -hmm. diagnosed with breast cancer, 
10 years ago, and I had a bilateral mastectomy, and now I have an entirely different type of cancer. And on top of that, you know, I just recently discovered or learned that I have an issue with my heart now, and I'm just wondering, yes, you know, what's going on. Well, hopefully the, the hole is small, and um, a lot of folks, when they have a hole between the chambers of their hearts, it's more common to have a hole between the two atriums or the atria, which are on the other chambers of the heart. Those things, if they need repair, can often be done through cardiac catheterization. So it doesn't even require a surgery. It's still an invasive procedure where they um, go through a, just a blood vessel in your leg, which comes up and gets into your heart and then it's able to be fixed that way. So that's the good news. That's not something that was available, you know, years ago. So if if the hole is large enough that it requires repair, I'm sure you're going to talk about your cardiologist um, with your cardiologist about the options. And there are these less, far less invasive options that are available. Uh, why did, if, if I may ask, why did you have the echocardiogram? Uh, because. Um after I had my last appointment with the cardiologist, he said it's been uh, a while since I'd had one, um, over a year, and he felt that it was time for me to have another. But, but quite frankly, you know, uh, he listened to my heart, and I think he had some concerns, okay. and he didn't want to discuss those concerns until after the echocardiogram was done. Okay, he may have heard a murmur or that's the sound of abnormal blood flow in the heart. Right. So I'm glad right. he's he's worked you up for that. Um, so I, I wish you the best. I hope it's a small defect and it can be fixed easily or perhaps can be watched. Um, so, it, you know, and since you said it's pinpoint, I mean, that sounds good. Um, so um, let's, let, let's hope that that works for the best. Now, your essential thrombocythemia, you mention that as well and if that could put you at any sort of increased risk as you know having this uh, chronically elevated platelet count because what's happening which you very described very well is that the um the cells in your bone marrow they're called megakaryocytes that make platelets they're kind of going on overdrive right they're just making lots and lots of platelets um they're kind of producing them uh in an unregulated fashion it's called a myeloproliferative disease which means the bone marrow is proliferating um, more than it than it should. And so having elevated platelets, since platelets are a, a big part of our, the clotting system in our body, you have a higher propensity to form blood clots. So um, regarding the hole in your heart, if you had a blood clot, um, it could pass through your heart through that hole. Um, but uh, other than that, the two are, are, rel- are relatively... Um, I would say unrelated. unrelated. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But, so you're um, saying that um, the fact that I'm having the uh, platelet uh, issue doesn't necessarily uh, mean that I'm going to have um, any greater issues as a result um, with regards to uh, the condition of my heart. Is that right? Yeah, I for the most part, I, I would say so, except, you know, your in, your increased risk of blood clotting is the same, you know, as if you, if you didn't have that hole in your heart. But if the hole in your heart really is just pinpoint size, the chances of a clot <clears throat> traveling through that pinpoint and going to your lungs um, would be um, really re- small. relatively small. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. So you're saying that uh, I should relax? <laughs> <laughs> I'd say everyone should always relax because... <laughs> Yeah, you know, such agony for patients. I know having been a patient and having, um, you know, been a caregiver for patients, um, that point between a test and hearing the result is agonizing, isn't it? Yeah. It's very hard. And as a pathologist, um, being someone who gives results to clinicians from biopsies and surgeries, and you know, it, it, it always... Um, weighs on me, you know, as it should, that I need to get those results out as fast as possible. So it is hard. I can't, you know, to tell you to relax is almost sounds silly because I know it's hard to relax when you're waiting on discussing results with your physician. But, but Pat, I have to commend you. It sounds like you're really on top of your health. You follow everything very closely. And, and I, and I wish you the best with your appointment on Monday. Thank you so much. I appreciate your information. It helps a bit, but as I said, I'll be seeing the cardiologist on Monday. And I'll have those very same questions for for him. Good, but, uh, good. I Write them down. Write them down and bring them with you. <laughs> Write them down and bring them with you. 
I will. Thank yeah. you so much. You bet. Bye bye, Pat. You too. Bye-bye. Next, we're going to Denise in Columbus. Hey, Denise. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing great. I'm traveling, so I hope that my connection does not go away. You sound good. Okay, I was calling. I am about 15 years ago. I was diagnosed with an upper thoracic aneurysm, and I've had it monitored yearly. Um, but as I've gotten older, I've picked up a couple of pounds, and I'm really concerned about um, not gaining extra weight or doing things to cause the aneurysm to increase in size. I'm right under um, the size for them to place a stent in it. Okay. And so. Yeah, I was calling with, to see if you had any suggestions um, on me just kind of keeping it level. I know it's an aneurysm, so I don't have too much control over mm-hmm. it, but I was wondering if there were some things that I could do to minimize the uh, stress on it. So let me get this straight. You have an aneurysm of your aorta, your thoracic aorta. Is that correct? Yes, ma'am. Upper thoracic. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. So... The the probably the biggest thing that you can do to help yourself is to keep your blood pressure under control. Do you have elevated blood pressure? I do, but I um, I've been working on that, and I do take um, clonidine, and it, it keeps it under control. Ooh, so that's really good. That's a does that one make you tired? Or you do, that's a that's kind of a strong one. I actually love it. it oh, good. It makes you chill. It. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, that's good. I'm glad it's working for you and that the side effect profile is good for you. Yeah, so keep, so anything that keeps your blood pressure in check, that is taking your medications as prescribed, keeping your weight down, exercising regularly, eating right, that is eating um, a diet that is healthy with lots of uh, vegetables and lean meats and not a lot of fat and not a lot of carbs and not a lot of white stuff, white bread, pasta, and stuff like that. Uh, The stuff we love. (laughs) But if you don't eat it so much, you'll find that you kind of want it less, you know? Those are all good things that you can do to help keep that aneurysm, which is a dilation of the blood vessel, um, from from getting worse. And it sounds like you're having it uh, checked out uh, regularly. So they're doing imaging, I guess, to look at how um, dilated it is or the diameter of it, right? Right. Good. I have CT with contrast. Good, good. Mm-hmm. You sound young. How old are you? I'm 45. Oh, you're super young. Do you have like a, um, uh, is there an abnormality with your valve there of the aorta? Do you have like a bicuspid you know, valve? I think that maybe it was something I was born with. Yeah. But uh, about 15 years ago, I went to the doctor with some uh, pain on my left side. Mm-hmm. And they just did a chest x-ray, and they saw a bulge and sent me for mm. further testing. And that's what they discovered. So it well, may have been something that's been there the entire time. Yeah, it's a developmental thing. So I'm glad that you had that imaging because uh, many folks uh, would probably go throughout their life and maybe not take so good care of their blood pressure and not even know that they had that and, uh, you know, right. could rupture. So um, I'm right. I'm glad you're being, that you found out. Of, thank goodness you found out about it early and you're yes. able to modify your risk factors. So keeping your blood pressure under control and all all the things that go along with that, like you said, weight, diet, uh, some exercise, etc. Um, not eating too much salt, taking your medications. Yeah. You're doing the right thing. Okay, well, great. Thank you for the show. It's very informative and something that we need to learn about our health. So thank you so much. Thank you, Denise. Thanks for calling. Have a great day. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Hey, we got a caller on the line, and it says it's my mother. I did ask my mom to call. Because I have to say that when my mom was in her 50s, which she's barely not in her 50s now, I don't want to give away her her age, she had a heart attack. And a lot of people, I know I th- feel like that's very young. At the time, I think I thought that she was kind of old. But uh, now that I'm in my almost mid-40s, I feel like 50 is like the new 30. So I wanted to have her come on and talk about the way that she felt when she was having those symptoms of a heart attack. Um Bear Bell, are you on the line? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> so this is my mom. Um, her name is Bear Bell. And uh, I wanted you, mom, to, t- we're talking about heart disease in women today. And I wanted you to talk about how old you were and the feeling that you had um, where you kind of knew something was wrong when you were having your heart attack. Because I think a lot of women, well, first of all, I know a lot of women have 
uh, a less typical presentation when they have a heart attack. We kind of think about the things we always talk about. Uh, we think it's going to be some sort of a sharp pain or something like that. But women in particular can have a lot more subtle of symptoms. We can um, mistake them for reflux and things like that. They can present in our uh, the feelings more in our jaw than in our chest, etc. So I want to make our listeners aware of the symptoms we should look out for that could potentially mean that uh, some that we or someone that we're around is having a heart attack. So would you describe what happened to you? Sure. Uh, we just had moved from New Orleans to uh, Jackson. At least I did. And um, your dad was here already. But with all the stress and everything, I uh, was 55 years old. And it was in uh, 1997. I remember it vividly. Um, I felt nauseous for a few days, and I kept taking Maalox and all these uh, commercial products that you take, and it just didn't get better. And one evening, I, I was sort of a little restless, and our bedroom was upstairs, but I felt all of a sudden that uh, different pain in my, in my chest, just below the breastbone. And it was different. It was pressure. It was tightness. And first I didn't pay any attention to it, but I became a little anxious. And then I broke out in sweat. And that's when I knew something was wrong with me. And thank God I didn't walk upstairs in the bedroom. I called your dad. And he came down and he said, oh, you know, probably some indigestion. Uh, it was uh, Monday morning. Six o'clock, and uh, he rushed me to St. Dominic, and sure enough, it was a heart attack. Thank God it was a mild heart attack, and uh, they were taking care of me right away. I did stay a week in uh, the hospital. Uh, I, I did have the, uh, the balloon. You had a uh, heart catheterization, yeah, when they went in your vessel. Mm-hmm. Yes, I... Uh, I, I uh, survived that wonderfully, and I must say for 21 years in April, I will, 22 years actually, I will be uh, without another heart attack. Now, I was fortunate because the heart attack was not a very damaging one. I was told uh, out of 10, it was a 2, so I was very fortunate, and I didn't need any other treatment, but in uh, 22 years ago, Nobody really talked about how women would feel having a heart attack. Every research concentrated on men because in those days only the men were having heart attacks and and we didn't, which wasn't true. So in the meantime, uh, we yeah, that was the perception, kind of yeah, totally yeah, totally different symptoms uh, than men. I had nothing in my arms. I had nothing. Um, uh, yeah, in my shoulders or in my back, it was the nauseousness. And also, when I had the catheterization, uh, the cardiologist told me, "If you ever have a heart attack again, you will feel the same way." Which was actually, I felt it almost in my throat. Yeah. During the catheterization, and I remember that. So, I guess uh, the advantage is, if I ever should have a heart attack again. Uh, hopefully I will have the same symptoms so I can rush to the hospital immediately. But uh, I'm very happy. I do go uh, yearly for my nuclear pharmacological stress test, the Lexus scan, and uh, I just wonder uh, if that is necessary to do every year. My cardiologist uh, says yes. In the AARP magazine, I read that... uh, (laughs) It is not necessary, but you probably couldn't answer that question since you're not a cardiologist. But I just wanted to share basically that women can feel it totally different. And if you feel nauseous and it doesn't go away, and uh, yeah, before you even get the pain in your chest or um, uh, break out in sweat, consider it that it might be your heart. It is always good to go rather to the uh, uh, emergency room, be tested and be sent home again by 
people some uh, mailox or whatever. So you, yeah, it is it is a good advice, and I'm very happy that I survived with a hopefully good heart. I'm happy too, mom. Yeah, I don't <laughs> want to survive twenty more, ye- twenty two more years, but. Uh, oh, <laughs> All right, I'm, I, with that, I'm going to end this conversation. I don't know. <laughs> I would like you to survive 22 more years. Thank you so much for calling, Mom. I appreciate it. Um, I wanted you to share that story, and uh, I guess I'll see you later. Take care. Bye. So like my mom, the expert in having uh, a heart attack in women, because she had one, she had a heart attack in her 50s. She had pain more in her jaw and some pressure under her breastbone or her sternum, you know, there in the middle of the chest. But mainly she felt nauseous and she broke out in cold sweats. And she had felt nauseous for a few days and then it got suddenly worse one morning and really the sweats really broke out badly. So things that women can feel are all of those things. So um, you can feel the pain sometimes in your back. And like she so eloquently said, it's better to go have it checked out, to go to the emergency room and be sent home being told that you are not having a heart attack than to to not go in um, and uh, find out the hard way that that's not what had happened. Um, And she also mentioned that, you know, classically kind of in the old days, we thought that heart disease was a disease for men because men were more stressed out and this and that. But it's that's actually a fallacy that women and men both get heart disease. As I said, it's the number one cause of death in women. So keeping control of your blood pressure, diabetes, weight under control, watching what you eat, exercise. These are all important things and all things that the good news is you're in control of. So take control of your health and do yourselves a favor and know your body. Dr. Owens would always say that. Be very proactive with your health and understand what's normal for you. And I miss her. And she'll be back next week. This is Allie Brown for Southern Remedy for Women. I had a great time today. Uh, Today's Southern Remedy was produced and engineered by Jay White. Our call screener today was Java Chapman. I am Dr. Allie Brown. Join us next Friday at 11 for Southern Remedy for Women. We'll have a guest talking about diabetes. Stay tuned. NPR's Here and Now is up next on MPB Think Radio.